Well, hello and welcome back to Faith Life 365. This is episode number 32. Now, if you missed any of the past episodes, uh, please go back and get caught up with us. Uh, you can listen. You can go to the website, www.faithlife365.org. Uh, you can read from the blog there or uh, listen from uh, podcasts. It's through Podbean. Also, uh, YouTube and Rumble channels at Faith Life 365, one word for both, uh, both, faith, both uh, YouTube and Rumble. Um, so now uh, we're going to jump right back in here and uh, get started. Let's say a prayer. Father God, we come before you now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for blessing us with this opportunity that we can read and study your word and see the wonders, Father, that you are doing through your prophecies. Father God, that we can take a look at those prophecies and see, Lord, that we are clearly in the end times according to your word. And Father, I just pray that you would open our eyes, that we may see in our ears, that we may hear. Father, give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding as we grow our faith now by the hearing and reading and studying of your word. Amen and amen. All right. So we're going to jump right in and, and uh, take a look at where we left off. In episode 31, uh, we talked about how Israel became a nation again in 1948 and uh, seizing. Uh, they went back in, in 1967 in the Six-Day War and seized all of Jerusalem uh, from the uh, Arab countries around them uh, that were threatening war. And uh, both of these were fulfilling a prophecy. Now, we talked about how all the nations via the United Nations were coming against Israel, as was prophesied in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 3. So now, we've been looking at prophecies that have already been fulfilled and are being fulfilled before our eyes. Now, we're going to continue in this episode, and to me, it's, it's mind-blowing, some of the things that we're going to see and talk about today. Uh, if you've not been keeping track of any of this or, or, or following any of it or looking at any of it, it, it it's absolutely stunning um, how true the Word of God is. And so let's take a look. Joel chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, this is the New Living Translation. It says, At the time of those events, says the Lord, when I restore the prosperity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather the armies of the world into the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will judge them for harming my people, my special possession, for scattering my people among the nations, and for dividing up my land. Now this prophecy is taking us Forward, We're going uh, to the gathering of the armies of the world for the Battle of Armageddon. Now, this is going to take place sometime after the prosperity of Judah and Jerusalem have been restored. Now, the question is, has the prosperity of Judah and Jerusalem been restored? Now, the answer to that question is yes, unequivocally, absolutely, not a shadow of a doubt. And we're going to take a look at this as we continue on. And this is going to be another prophecy completely fulfilled. So today, Israel is a very prosperous nation. Now, Israel has some of the most fertile land, uh, not only in the Middle East, but in the world. See, Israel is a huge exporter of produce. And many of the advanced technologies in the world were and still are being developed in Israel today. Now, according to the CIA World Factbook, uh, Israel is 8,019 uh, square miles in area. Now, this is comparable to the state of New Jersey in the United States. Uh, New Jersey slightly smaller at 7,787 uh, square miles in area. But approximately 60% of Israel is dry desert, with only about 20% of the remaining land considered 
arable or good land for growing crops. Yet Israel produces approximately 95% of their own food needs and is a huge exporter of produce, primarily fruits throughout Europe, as well as many other countries. Now let's, let's take a look at some prophecy here. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6. This is the New Living Translation. The time is coming when Jacob's descendants will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the whole earth with fruit. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 27, New Living Translation. The orchards and the fields of my people will yield bumper crops and everyone will live in safety. When I have broken their chains of slavery and rescued them from those who enslaved them, then they will know that I am the Lord. Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 1, this is King James. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Now Isaiah chapter 41, this is verses 18 through 20, New Living Translation. When the poor and needy search for water and there is none, and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them in the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. I will plant trees in the barren desert. Cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, and pine. I am doing this so all who see this miracle will understand what it means. That it is the Lord who has done this, the Holy One of Israel who created it. I want you to keep that in mind. Ezekiel 36, verses 28 through 30. This is New Living Translation. And you will live in Israel and the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will cleanse you of your filthy behavior. I will give you good crops of grain and I will send no more famines on the land. I will give you great harvest from your fruit trees and fields and never again will the surrounding nations be able to scoff at your land for its famines. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 33 through 36, New Living Translation. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. When I cleanse you from your sins, I will repopulate your cities, and the ruins will be rebuilt. The fields that used to lie empty and desolate in plain view of everyone will be again be farmed. And when I bring you back, people will say, This former wasteland is now like the Garden of Eden. The abandoned and ruined cities now have strong walls and are filled with people. Then the surrounding nations that survive will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruins and replanted the wasteland, for I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do what I say. So now, have any of these prophecies occurred? Let's start with forestry. So in 1948, uh, when Israel became a nation again, uh, forest covered only 2% of Israel's territory. So Israel started a reforestation project. Now, I don't have a more recent figure, but as of 2014, trees covered 8.5% of the land of Israel. Now, this is a significant growth. So let's look at an excerpt from an article uh, from factsaboutisrael.uk. It's titled Agriculture in Israel. It says, what type of trees have been planted in Israel? With a dry climate similar to that of California or Spain, Israel is a natural home for relatively short trees that need little water. 
subtropical trees. Some, like acacias, can go for months without even a drop. But Israel has also planted cedars, the Aleppo pine, also known as the Jerusalem pine, the common oak, the stone pine, also known as the nut pine, and cypress trees, which can live for hundreds of years. It's interesting to note that as Israel is restored, Bible prophecy says that these precise trees will be planted. The reforestation program has had a favorable effect on the humidity of the soil and on rainfall, thereby changing the climate. No rain falls in the land from May to September, but Israel now experiences both the former, November through December, and the latter rains, March through April, bringing into mind the following prophecy, I will plant trees in the barren desert, cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, and pine. Now that ends the quote uh, from the article. So we can clearly see <laughs> prophecy fulfilled. Now due to uh, new technologies uh, developed by Israel, including new drip irrigation methods, more than 40% of Israel's vegetables and field crops are grown in the Negev desert. And 90% of Israel's melon exports are grown right on the eastern border of the Negev desert. Yet, Israel's fresh water supply is below the United Nations definition of water poverty. Israel is thriving and has developed new technologies so as the desert is producing massive crops of vegetables and more. Israel discovered what appears to be an almost unlimited supply of brackish water. And brackish water is water that's slightly salty. And it's under the Negev Desert. Do you remember the prophecies? Pools of water under the desert? They have developed methods of using this water to water their crops in the desert. It doesn't stop with vegetables and melons. Israel has also been able to cultivate argan trees in the desert, which produce a highly prized oil along with their olive tree groves. But they haven't stopped there either. See, they discovered that the brackish warm water under the desert is also optimal for farm raising certain types of fish and shrimp. So they have developed land pools in the desert and they pump the brackish water up from the deep in the desert to fill them and they're able to farm fish and shrimp in the desert and the shrimp they export and some of the fish as well. So what about cows, did you ask? Did you ask? Thanks for asking. <laughs> Israel's cows produce the highest amount of milk per animal in the world. They also utilize beekeeping, uh, not only for producing a lot of honey, but they use the bees for the crop pollination. Uh, this is proven to be 30 times more valuable than the value of the honey that they produce. So remember Exodus chapter 3 verse 8, uh, what it said about the lands? And in the New Living Translation, it says, So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes. But this is just a drop in the bucket of what Israel has and produces. The Dead Sea has a wealth of chemical compounds that are used in and for many, many different things. It's an abundance of wealth just in the Dead Sea alone. A few examples of uh, other is Israel's advanced and cutting-edge technologies. So Israeli drip and micro-irrigation solutions have rapidly spread worldwide. The newest models are self-cleaning, maintain uniform flow rate regardless of water quality and pressure. The Israeli company Netafim 
is a world leader in drip irrigation. Thermal imaging is used for water uh, status mapping of crops. Uh, this is based upon the correlation between the water status of foliage and its temperature. So leaf temperature rises under water stress. Nettings of different colors uh, is used uh, for uh, plant growth uh, and control. Uh, they determine how the colors affect. The breeding of beneficial insects and mites for biological pest control, bumblebees for natural pollinization uh, in greenhouses and open fields, and sterile fruit flies to control this major pest in fruit trees. Generation of unique software to help producers grow fruits and vegetables, raise poultry and dairy cows, manage vineyards and make olive oil. Uh, development of strains of potatoes that thrive in hot and dry climates and can be irrigated by salt water. Development of new varieties of tomatoes with the aim of making them as tasty as possible. Development of reusable plastic trays to collect dew from the air, reducing the water needed by crops or trees by up to 50%. Development of algae culture or uh, algoculture for fodder algae, dietary supplements, uh, veterinary pharmaceuticals, cosmetics, bioplastics, and fertilizers. Post-harvest technologies include modified atmosphere packaging using uh, biodegradable materials, non-chemical hot water, rinsing, and bioagents uh, against pathogens. And this is just, again, probably a drop in the bucket to some of the technologies and things that are going on in Israel right now today. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 35 of the New Living Translation. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Israel became a nation again in 1948, and this definitely could be viewed as the fig tree with its branches budding and its leaves beginning to sprout. That's talked about in this parable. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8 of the English Standard Version here. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Israel became a nation again in one day in 1948, and it retook all of Jerusalem during the Six-Day War in 1967. Jesus says, when you see these things happen, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. Now, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. What generation is Jesus speaking of and what things? Jesus is speaking of the end times leading into the tribulation period. The things he described earlier in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus and the prophet Joel are telling us that the rapture of the church, the final seven-year tribulation period, and the second coming of Jesus are near at hand. Well, how near is near? Jesus said, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. Again, all the things he described in Matthew chapter 24. 
So we ask, how long is a generation? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3 of the King James Version, it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Psalms chapter 90 and verse 10, and this is from the Amplified Bible, says the days of our life are 70 years, or even, if because of strength, 80 years. Now, the Amplified has a footnote, and this footnote, it says, this psalm is credited to Moses, who is interceding with God to remove the curse which made it necessary for every Israelite over 20 years of age, uh, this is when they rebelled against God at Kadesh Barnea, to die before reaching the promised land of Canaan. And that's found in Numbers 14, uh, verses 26 through 35. Moses himself lived to be 120 years old. Aaron, his brother, 123. Miriam, several years older. And Joshua, 110 years of age. But it is conceivable that Moses considered such longevity the exception. The ancient rabbis taught that by the time of David, 70 was the age of death for an old man and 80 for a vigorous old man. So, that's the end of the uh, amplified uh, footnote there. So now, depending on the source, the average life expectancy for a male living in the United States in 2021 is 77 to 78.93 years. The life expectancy for a female living in the United States is 81 years. So how long is the generation Jesus is referring to? Now, I can definitively say that the generation he's referring to is between 70 and 120 years. <laughs> Pretty tight gap there, right? But, but seriously, uh, it's widely accepted that a generation is between 70 and 80 years. So what does that mean to us? If Israel becoming a nation in 1948 is the trigger uh, or the trigger for the generation that shall not pass until all these things take place, at the time this message is being put out, uh, it's April of 2021, uh, I say put out more researched and put together uh, in April of 2021, it's been 73 years or 72 years, 11 months to be more exact. So that would leave seven years before the end of the generation that began in May of 1948. And that's if a generation as referred to by Jesus is 80 years. Now, am I saying that the rapture of church is taking place in 2021? I'm not saying any. I'm not making any predictions. I'm showing you a potential mathematical possibility. I'm showing you that quite possibly we are into the minutes. Are we there yet? Maybe. But I don't know when the church will be raptured. Only the Father in heaven knows that. Uh, I do know that we've been given information in the Word of God that we should pay close attention to and we should heed the Word of the Father. So now, let's say if Israel retaken Jerusalem and then having the whole of Jerusalem is the trigger. That happened in 1967. Um, and so if we say uh, from the Scripture that uh, that's the generation that shall not pass until all these things take place. It's been 54 years. That would leave 26 years uh, before a generation of 80 years would end. So, see, we could sit here and play number games and speculations all day long, and that's not, that's not what I'm trying to do here at all. But the point I'm trying to make 
is simply that I firmly believe that we are currently living at the end of the end times. Uh, now, don't run run out and clean out your bank accounts and, and, and you know, take off for uh, wherever you haven't traveled to forever that you've been wanting to do and, and spend everything you've got, right? So we, we always plan for the future as if Jesus was returning in 100 years. But we live our daily life as if he's returning today, in the next second, in the next minute. See, if we, if we truly believed in our hearts that Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead by God and, and confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord by the grace of God, uh, we have received eternal life and, and we've been recreated in Christ Jesus. We, we have nothing you know, to be concerned about or worried about. Uh, to the contrary, we have something to be joyful about, to be expectant of, to be looking forward to, uh, to be raptured. Uh, we're not going through the tribulation. Um, you, you know, you go to heaven, you're going to be one of those and be like, well, how did you die? I didn't. I was carried up in the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the trumpet, you know. So if you've not believed on and, and accepted Jesus in your heart, you know, this is now is the time. Now is, is the time. You should seriously consider giving your life to God and accepting Jesus in your life right now because this is right now and this is right now and this is right now, and we don't know if the next one of these we're going to be out of here, right? Now let's keep looking at some scriptures quickly here. Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, verses 24 and verse 28. This is the New Living Translation. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land, and you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Now, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 5 through 6, English Standard. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 10, English Standard. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. Cush was in the area of modern-day Ethiopia. Now, since 1948, over 3,300,000 Jewish people from all over the world have migrated back to the lands God promised them, to Israel. They are a flourishing nation, just as the prophecy said. One example, uh, Operation Solomon. This was a covert Israeli military operation to airlift Ethiopian Jews to Israel from May 24th to May 25th, 1991. Nonstop flights of uh, 35 Israeli aircraft, including Israeli Air Force C-130s and El Al Boeing 747s, transported 14,325 Ethiopian Jews to Israel in 36 hours. One of the aircraft, an El Al 747, carried at least 1,088 people, including two babies who were born on the flight and holds the world record for the most passengers on an aircraft. Now, Operation Solomon was the last and most popular of the three covert missions airlifting Ethiopian Jews out of Ethiopia to Israel. Operation Moses and Operation Joshua were the first two missions. Uh, between the three missions, over 20,000 Ethiopian Jews were airlifted uh, to Israel. Zephaniah 3, chapter 9 to King James. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. 
When the Israelites were taken captive in Babylon around 570 B.C., they began to adopt the Aramaic language, and the Hebrew language began to diminish. Without going deep into the history of the language, by the time uh, Jesus was teaching on earth, Aramaic and Greek were the primary languages being used in that area. Hebrew existed but was no longer a primary language. Thus, the New Testament was written primarily in the Greek language. After 70 AD, when Jerusalem was destroyed and the Jewish people were scattered by the Romans among all nations, the Hebrew language became almost extinct. So in the late 1800s and early 1900s, Jews living in Palestine began to revive the Hebrew language. Now, as more Jews migrated into Palestine, they adopted the Hebrew language. Now, after World War I and the fall of the Ottoman rule of Palestine, the British mandate was in charge until May of 1948. They declared English, Arabic, and Hebrew to be official languages of Palestine. Now, when Israel became a nation in May of 1948, the vast majority of people living there spoke Hebrew either as a first or a second language, with 80% of the Jews born there speaking Hebrew as a first language. Now, this source, uh, this information comes from a history of Hebrew, how it built its cultural fortress and why it has survived so long by Dana Hushman, uh, April uh, the 15th of 2019 was an article she wrote. But now in July 2018, a new law in Israel made Hebrew the sole official language of the state of Israel, giving Arabic a special status. So in just over 100 years, the Hebrew language went from being practically extinct to becoming the official language of Israel. No other language uh, that, that I can find documented has ever gone from essentially extinct to becoming the primary language of a nation again. See, what we have just seen is prophecy after prophecy after prophecy totally fulfilled right before our eyes. And it's happening in the day that we are here to watch it and to see it. Now, this is all for this episode, and this is, to me, has been just a mind-blowing, stunning episode of, of how exact these scriptures and prophecies have been fulfilled. So now, join me in episode number 33 as we continue to talk about the end times, and uh, we're going to pick right up here where we left off. I want to thank you uh, for watching, listening, reading, whatever source that you're using here. Uh, may God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.